this is Laura Stinchfield of thepetpsychic.com, and this is our recording of our YouTube Lives that you can check out live every Thursday on YouTube at Pet Psychic, is my username on YouTube, at Pet Psychic. I hope to see you there live and enjoy this show. Hi, everybody. We are live. Sorry for the little delay. We had some technical difficulties. But this is Laura Stinchfield, the pet psychic, and Kimberly Klein, intuitive counselor. And we thought we would talk today about becoming too attached to your animal and if that's possible and what that looks like and what we can do to um, make it better. So we thought we'd give you some examples of that. And so Kim and I were thinking, and Kim's got a little story about a woman that she felt was a little bit too attached. Do you want to yeah. tell that story? So it's sort of funny. So we have this friend who has um, two dobies, and they would come over and they say, we can only stay an hour or an hour and a half at the most because we need to get back to the dogs. And we were like, what are you talking about? They're your dogs. They can handle being by themselves for, you know, two hours or more, not just like a short time. She's like, no, no, we just need to. And we said, okay. So then they invited us over and um, we said, okay, cool. But we need to leave by like five because we need to get back for the birds. And they're like, why? They're birds. And then it hit me that we both of both pairs of us, both couples, we were doing the exact same thing. It's like we were thinking, why are they so paranoid and overattached to their dogs? Can't they just have a, a little bit of a social life? And then we did it with the birds. And <laughs> it hit us like, oh, my God. But neither one of us felt that we were overattached. What I decided it was is, is we were just really thoughtful, caring parents to our animals because they're stuck they're animals and they rely on us for food and companionship and exercise and we were just being good pet parents and so uh -huh. we didn't after that um say what's your problem why do you have to go home for the dogs because we realized we were doing it for the birds too yeah it's really kind of interesting because we want to kind of think about like when that how that interferes with like your social life right like having yeah. to get home to the animals now i've got a lot of animals they're on a routine of when they get fed right so so or they get walked or they can only go so much amount of time until bradley chews a cushion or um or they have to go to out to the bathroom if the little ones don't have a dog door or something like that so then like what's appropriate amount of time to say that we could leave them and when are you using it as an excuse and when is it interfering with the social life because it could be it for some people so here let, let's let's give an example so i have a, like a three hour window pretty much three to four hours where i kind of want to be back for the animals at some point um whether i'm back for the animals or a pet sitter comes back for the animals not to say that i won't push it to five or six hours sometimes i will um, but usually it's like a three to four hour window. And if I, what I've noticed, right, is just like what you said there, that like it will interfere with like with your social life a little bit because the other people will be like, well, why have to go? 
sometimes I use it as my excuse. Like I don't want to hang out any longer. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm using it as an excuse. Like, yeah, I got to get back for the dogs. Well, maybe I don't really, but, Mm -hmm. and so maybe your friends have like an hour window for themselves. Right. Like, or maybe for her emotional state or something. I mean, I don't know, like maybe for someone's emotional state, they can only take being around people for an hour or, maybe their dog might get dis- destructive. Did you ever ask them, like, why do you have to leave after an hour? Yeah, you know, um, we have. And they kennel the dogs when they're not home. And so the destruction is not the issue. I think the issue is just feeling bad that they're stuck in their crate, which I understand. But they can hold it. So, uh, um, you know, looking at it, stepping back, it's yeah. probably reasonable. Get them out of the crate. Now that I know what's going on, get them out of the crate, get them exercise, let them pee, all that stuff. Um, you know, having a, a, it probably could be a little bit longer, but mm. they take the ride into consideration. Yeah, um, but like an hour is not that long to kind of hang out with friends, you know? it. Yeah. You know, maybe if you're going to meet for coffee or something, but if you're going over to someone's house for dinner or something so then what could that person do in order to make it so that those dogs are okay longer in their crate or in you know like a smaller room or wherever they need to be right so if i know i'm going for five or six hours my dogs are getting a good run in the morning right so right if those people got a took their dogs out for a good run Maybe those dogs could hang out and sleep in their crates for three hours. Yeah. And part of it probably is the, I don't want to be there for so long. I mean, it could be that. I mean, in reality, you know, right. We don't don't want to be there so long and they don't want to be here so long. It could be. Yeah. Right. But, but it can interfere with your social life. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I recently talked to a family and they were saying about their, um, their mother had recently gotten, she was a client of mine and she, this is a really sad story, fallen and hit into her head and she, she ended up having to go into PT, but now she's in a full-time facility being taken care of. And she used to feed wildlife, which wasn't the best thing. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with feeding wildlife, but her family was like, she has to go on like Christmas day back to like feed the wildlife. And so it mm. interferes with them on that and during that that family time so it's in really important i think for us as if we really know our animals well and we feel like they are not i mean i'm not saying to go feed wildlife but like let's say it's our domesticated animals if it, then we need to set set them up for success and actually go and have family time and go and do something where we are um, where we get a pet sitter or we get a person to come to the house. Like what else can we do that will allow us to go and be social without worrying about our pets and that they feel like they're being taken care of or send the dog to daycare or, you know, or like I said, get a pet sitter. I think yeah. those are important things to do so that we don't get that emotionally attached to them or don't have that unhealthy. Cause I don't think it's healthy to always be running home. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's not. And when you think rationally about it, like for us, the birds, the birds have huge cages, like huge <laughs> and tons of toys. And in reality is 
as long as we feed them their breakfast and then they get their dinner and they have clean water, there's five hours between breakfast and dinner that we could be gone. And then after they have dinner, the reality is we could just say goodnight to them. But you don't we want feel to. like <laughs> they want to see us, you know? And I now that we're talking about it, I'm. it's probably the same case with our mm -hmm. friends with the dogs that they want to be there because they know their dogs love them. So mm -hmm. maybe it is an unhealthy attachment for us and for the other humans. But like you said, as long as we arrange it so we can still have a life, then if it's a little unhealthy, it's a little unhealthy, but yeah. And have some quality time with the, with those other people. Yeah. It's important. You know, the other thing is, so like I have five dogs and um, I often go and meet friends to walk. That's like a, like a big thing that I do. And I've got, especially when I was in California, I had a like set of friends that was always like, bring the five dogs, you know, like that's what we do. Like I bring my five dogs. I had a friend that had 10 dogs. Like, you know, I had a dog trainer friend who had like just whatever dogs he was training. So we would just go and we would go and walk the dogs. And it was like, like, woohoo, you know, all our dogs. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people who like don't really have dogs and they're like, let's meet at the beach or they have one dog, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, let's meet at the beach and walk. Well, I really have to think like, do I want to bring five dogs to a time where I'm going to go and walk with, with a person and try and have a conversation? And because those five, my five dogs are going to interfere with my relationship with that person because I'm constantly watching. I'm constantly managing. I'm always saying like, hold on here. Let me leash this one. And so sometimes I would choose to just bring one dog or if I was going off to coffee, just bring one dog. Because if you do show up with five dogs, it's no fun for the other person if they're just a one dog home. I mean, some are like, I want to know all your dogs, you know, and they come for that. But if you want to, catch up with someone, really start to think like, is this healthy for me? And I'll do all sorts of things in my head. I'll say, oh, I feel bad about leaving that one home or I'll feel bad about what leaving that one home, but they're fine. Like just take one and enjoy that social time. So I think it also depends like on who you're meeting. Like I know when you and I meet somewhere, um, like we were in Colorado and you had the five and I had Bella and we went for lunch, your dogs are behaved. And so they're all sitting there and we're having a conversation at lunch and Bella's with me behaved. And so everyone's just behaved. So that's different than like, you can't talk because your dogs are jumping crazy maniacs running all over the place. And I'm like, what's going on? Let's have a conversation. So it, I think it also depends on the behavior of the dogs and where you are. Right. And the, the people. Yeah. The people you're with, right? Like the person, like even my parents, my parents love my dogs. And sometimes I bring all five to their house, but sometimes that's just too much for them. Right. And mm -hmm. so they're like, they tell me don't bring anyone. I show up <laughs> one, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, like I usually show up with Bradley because he just needs more training, but then they're yeah. like, oh, you show up with a wild one. <laughs> 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 but but he's training so he's a good boy he's a yeah. good boy so Wendy was confused whether we we're talking about um, unhealthy attachments 
the animals to us or us to the yeah, animals? Yeah. We're talking about both, but I think we're yeah, concentrating both. right now on it's us. It's both. And I think it's more like what we're talking about is our, our unhealthy attachment mm -hmm. to our animal because I really feel like our unhealthy attachment to the animal is what breeds their unhealthy attachment to us. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So like our problem of being like, Oh no, I have to leave my dog right now. Bye baby. You're going to be okay. Like that's going to make them nervous. Like saying, okay, you're going to be good. I'm going to go out with this one or I'm going to go do this. That's going to make a more confident dog than mm -hmm. leaving the house, like all worried or all upset. I mean, even cats, like I'll even talk to cats that are have SEP anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that because, um, like, my baby macaw, my little dabby, the the small baby who's going to be one on Valentine's Day, she is just such a sweet little muffin that I just, I always want to hold her. And I she wants mm -hmm. to lay on her back and have me tickle her tummy. And she sees me. She'll come to me. She has good recall. She's just so sweet that it's it's hard to not want to hold her while you're watching TV. And so I think the more that she loves me, which makes me want to hold her. And the more I hold her, the more she wants to be held. And there might be a little bit um, of an, I don't think it's unhealthy, the attachment, because she'll also go to my husband and she'll go to, mm. to someone new that comes downstairs. And so mm. she won't just come to me. But if she hasn't seen me in a while and I come downstairs, yes, she'll leave whoever it is and come to me. I think that might be a um, where you make the delineation. Will they go to other people or will they only stick mm -hmm. with you and they want to bite someone or they hate the other person? That's true. Yeah. Or if they want to bite someone, that's another, another sort of idea about unhealthy attachment is when we become attached to their behavior. Mm. Like, like for instance, like let's use Felix as an example. So Felix grew up on the streets. He had some abuse. He doesn't like to be pet by other people. And um, he's not a huge fan of meeting other dogs. And he will snap at people if they reach for him or if they go, he won't bite them, but he'll snap at them. I mean, maybe if, they if he touched them, they will. So I've taught him to like go behind, but like I could have an unhealthy attachment and clients do this all the time by just claiming him like aggressive or claiming him like we used to call him the gangster sometimes I still call him the gangster but like really like stressing like oh he has the gangst the gangster personality and just assuming that of him so that doesn't allow and or open up a space for him to act any different mm. so if I go somewhere it's I have to be really careful about like yes I want to keep everyone safe and I want to keep Felix feeling secure so Felix always knows he can go behind me if he's feeling insecure now that's like his safe spot he does it all the time I think everyone who has a dog that lunges or is nervous should teach their their dog to go behind them if they're nervous um and so he does that but i have to watch myself and say oh no he's like the gangster i just say oh yeah he's a good being a good boy he's going back there and so it's like what are is our attachment to their behavior and what are the things that we're saying and the things mm -hmm. that we're doing that are reinforcing that behavior so mm -hmm. Because we want our animals to get better, right? We want our animals to, to overcome that. And I don't know if Felix would be able to overcome and feel so secure if I've always had it in my head. He's a biter, you know, like, mm -hmm. out. 
instead of giving yeah. them that spot. I, I think if you think about it as your animals are toddlers, because I know um, that if you, if you have like your two-year-old and you tell like one of your relatives, well, she's really shy, so she might not want to go to you and that your child is hearing it, that'll bring on that behavior. It's the same with the animal. So same. instead of saying, oh, I don't know if my bird wants to go to you, but here, try, the bird's going to know it and go, oh, I don't want to go to you. So you're exactly. just like, here, here, take the bird. And then I think that's, I think if you raise them like a person. Yeah. And this is the same for when we bring our animals to the vets. Like people have problems, like everyone, like people tell me all the time, like my animal's so upset going to the vet. And I'm like, why? You know, mm -hmm. like to me, it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, yes, I get it. Like they're going to the vet, but they're upset about going to the vet because people are freaking out that their animal has to go to the vet and they have to hand their animal over. Like when mm -hmm. COVID came and people had to like hand their animal over to the veterinarian and wait in their car. Everyone had a problem with that. I'm like, why are you having a problem with that? Like, yeah, I would like to be there with my animal so I could see what the vet is doing. But if you have a vet you trust, like, who cares? Like, it's good yeah. for the animal. Like, if I say to Hudson, because we've been having to go to the vet a lot for Hudson's um, knee surgery and for, like, post-op and stuff. And he's doing great in his recovery, just so you guys know. Um, but he's been having to go a lot. He had an infection and, um, his sutures came out. So there was a lot of complications where we had to go back there. Well, they would come for him and he's not pulling against them, trying to get back to me. Like I said, go and he walks back and he, he goes back with them and he doesn't look it because they have to manipulate his leg and it hurts, but, but he'll go. And I mm -hmm. think when animals don't go, it's because of you, not because of yeah. the animal. I totally agree. I have another friend who has a dog who has to go to get um, checkups every three months, having a bad heart. And she's afraid for the dog. And she's a really good dog mom. But she's afraid that her dog has a very bad heart problem and it's scaring mm -hmm. her. So that fear is being put on to the, to the dog. And then the dog is like foaming at the mouth when he had so much fear going to the vet because he feels her fear that something bad's going to show up on this x-ray or whatever. Yeah. And it starts from like the, the time you make that appointment to the vet, you're thinking, Oh my God, my, my animal's got to go to the vet to the, to the car ride there, getting them in the carrier, like getting the leash on to the car ride there. It's like anxiety and the people where it just shouldn't be. I, I tell the animals all the time, and this is so important. These veterinarians go to a lot of school so that they can heal animals. So, you know, you should love these veterinarians. They are, they are our friends, you know? Yeah. And I always have vets I trust. I'm never bringing my animal to a vet I don't trust. So if you don't feel 100% about your vet, you get a new vet. I, and I don't like going to those hospitals where you're like are always seeing someone else because you don't know who you're getting. You're not building a relationship with your vet. You need to have the same vet each time or a couple. I mean, I have a few vets, but um, just so that that you feel comfortable. Right. I mean, if you yeah. feel good about your vet, it's like a good friends taking care of you. There's like part of your animal team. Totally. I would feel comfortable with both our avian and our other dog cat 
avian vet, if they had to work on me, they're so caring and loving. Like I would let them take any of my animals and they all love them and they don't freak out. And it's really, sometimes it's hard to find someone you trust that much. Like when I first moved to Nebraska and I had little Zippy, my chihuahua, who was old and he had a mm-hmm. collapsing trachea, so everybody recommended this one vet. So I took him there and this vet was a complete jerk. And I'm like, why is everyone recommending him? And he wanted to change his medicine. And I'm like, why, why would you do that? So I switched him to um, a different vet. And this vet was like amazing. And that's who we've been going to since. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to stick with someone just because you started with that person. You don't. And you don't have to, you have to trust your intuition. Yeah. So you trusted your intuition. There were all these people that said, this vet is great, but you went there and you didn't feel so good. So you trusted your intuition. You went to go find someone else and spirit or the universe put you in a position where you like your vet now. So I think that's important. That's another time where someone else is going to get anxiety. Someone who's not used to listening to their intuition following their gut responses, that gut response of not liking their vet could then give them anxiety. And then they're having anxiety every time they bring their animal to the vet because they don't really like their vet. Instead of saying, okay, I have this feeling, let me trust this and let me find something else, find someone else. That is so true. So true. Yeah. So it's when your intuition is creating not listening to your in- intuition is creating anxiety. And, and the problem is some people don't know it's their intuition. So they're thinking they're just having anxiety all the time about going to this vet and their anxieties over their animal. But in reality, it's probably something inside them that because they're not acknowledging it, they're getting anxiety. That's yeah. So interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. and one thing about like animals dying under euthanasia, like, that's another big one that people are like really concerned about, like getting teeth done. I'll put a 20 year old cat under if they have, I mean, an old animal, if they have good blood work because teeth wreak havoc on the body. People are so worried about their animal dying under anesthesia. I have vet friends. It is so rare. I mean, I definitely have clients who've lost animals under anesthesia. So don't get me wrong. That's very real. But my vet friends tell me if that animal has a um, heart problem, that's when they're they're more susceptible for something like that. But if they have good blood work and their heart is good, it is very rare that something's going to happen. So I, or if they're that MDR1 positive, which Hudson has, which is a, a mutant gene with a protein that allows the drugs to cross the brain barrier. Anyone who has a herding dog breed should test their dog for MDR1. Just Google MDR1 and and it will show up. But border collies, cattle dogs, German shepherds, collies are a big one. Um, they not all vets know about it, and they should. And it some drugs they can't have some drugs like some anesthesias and some like ivermectin and some heartworm pills. So it's a really good thing to test your your dog for. Um, that's the MDR one gene that can affect the the anesthesia as well. Some cats can have it too. I hear recently, but, um, but so I like feel good. Like when you're getting your animal's teeth done, feel good. Yeah. Um, okay. What? So do you guys, uh, so back in COVID, I actually, I liked 
just dropping off the my dog. I was reading somebody wouldn't do it, didn't want to yeah. do it because I was like, okay, this is teaching her. She's going. And then yeah, dropping I, the dog off at the vet, right? Yeah, is what you're dropping saying. Dropping the dog yeah. off at the vet to get whatever was going on. And then I ran and did some errands actually. Um, yeah. And she learned that she goes to the vet. Everything's fine. And then I come and I get her. She's not yeah. being abandoned. Yeah. So I, I was kind of good with that. I know. I'm good with it too. If I trust my vet, I yeah. get it. If you don't really trust the vet and you're like, what are they doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That I get. But, um, okay. Do you guys have any, I mean, we can kind of get into like, like to like, like aggression, like I was talking about before, like when you're walking a dog, like, like dogs, have, a lot of dogs have, um, leash aggression. And I always think that's so interesting, right? Because, mm -hmm. because leash aggression is all about the handler. So if your dog mm -hmm. has leash aggression, that's all you. Because if the dog is fine off leash, that means the dog is able to go and do their calming signals, which is the licking, blinking, and yawning, and coming to another dog at an arc. And they're allowed, they, they can do their natural body language so that the animal feels safe, right? That's why they're good off leash. If they have leash aggression, you're messing up your dog. There's no ifs and ends about it. It's all about you. So you want to really be careful about like how you're holding that leash. So like, let's say you're walking your dog or just how you're feeling in general. So like, let's say you're walking your dog and you see a dog up ahead before your dog sees them. And you're like, oh my God. And you're starting to get prepared and you start to wind that leash mm. around your hand. That is sending stress to your dog. And your dog is already thinking, uh-oh, what's happening? So they already noticed your tension and you reeling them in before they see another dog. So that's telling them, uh-oh, something's happening. Then you're kind of pulling back, right? You're pulling back on them, which doesn't allow them to bend their head or to move to the side. So one of the things, and I've had lots of leash aggressive dogs. I've adopted a lot of rescue dogs and I've had leash aggressive dogs before. I've had dog aggressive dogs before. And one of the things that you can do is when you see the other dog, look at the other dog and think something positive about them. Look, they're with your mom, kind of be relaxed, concentrate on your breathing. Your breathing has so much to do with the anxiety of your dog. If you are not breathing, your dog is stressed. So you want to make sure that you're breathing, that you're not like alert and like your eyes are bugging out of your head. If you do that, your animal's going to start getting upset too. So you want to be relaxed in your body you and you want to be thinking positive things about the other dog. A lot of people will veer away when they see another dog like that. Go towards the dog for a second. Show your dog this is okay, you know, and then veer away if you want to veer away. But just make a couple steps in the dog's direction so that they don't so they don't feel, I mean, if the dog is far away, you know, the other thing is if you're greeting a dog on leash, you don't want to set them up nose to nose. It's very unnatural for, for animals to greet nose to nose, nose to nose, nose to rear. But if you force those dogs to greet nose to nose, they're going to get too much eye contact and they might start something. So nose to rear as, as much as you can. Okay. So, so that is interesting. Uh, the leash aggression that you said, totally interesting. Because just one example I have is when I had, um, I had two German Shepherds that were protection dogs. 
Solo and Gunther. And the trainer made sure that I knew when you're walking on leash, the leash, give it some room. I mean, you're not holding it up. Let it be like they don't even know you're holding it. Yeah. And you're just holding it because you have to be on leash for some reason. And I never, I didn't ask why, but that's obviously the reason. So the dog mm-hmm. feels like free enough, yeah, to, have its body free enough to be able to move. They don't want you yeah. yanking on them like something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's like a horse. That's so interesting because every little Mm -hmm. feel on that leash, the same. Every little thing. Wow. Amazing. They they know if you hold your breath for a second or if you're looking in that direction, your body language means so much too. Um, uh, You know, I wanted to kind of go back when you were talking about your friend who's dog who has the heart thing. This is interesting too, like when we're like so attached to our animals and like when it can be a bad thing. So you know, a lot of us have been through like emotional stress and we turn to our animals for love and, and guidance and support. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, of course we can do that. Um, but if we get to the point in our lives where we are so depressed or so anxious that we don't have fun with our animals or our animals are not having like, or they're not put in situations where they're able to enjoy themselves. That animal is going to take on our stress. And that is actually very serious because they can take on our heart problems. Like I've seen people who've gotten divorced and their dog dies of like a heart attack. And it's because the people are so heartbroken and they've put it onto their animal. And then it's exhibiting in the animal's body as like an issue with the animal's body. Or I've seen animals kind of take away people's like cancer or headaches or whatever it may be. That's why it's really animals release their anxiety, like through play and through sniffing out in nature. And if we get to the point where we isolate ourselves and we're isolating ourselves in our home and we're getting really depressed and we're just hugging our animal and like just not allowing that animal to play with its toys and take them out, that we're, we're creating illness within our animals, we're emotional and physical illness, a hundred percent. So if, if not anything, like if you're having emotional stress, I mean, it's good for you to get out and walk, but it, like try and muster up some fun. And then also tell them like, don't take, this is mommy stuff or dad stuff. Don't take on my stuff. Like you play, you can notice it and thank you for being here with me, but I want you to play. And like, I tell the animals all the time, what makes us happy is our animals being happy because if we're stressed, our animals behavior will get worse all the time. So like, if you're stressed with work, you're going to see your dog is going to be chewing things in the house more. They're going to be peeing in the house more, like whatever their behavioral issue is or cat's for the cats, whatever their behavioral ish is going to get worse if we don't take care of our own anxiety. So we can't expect that it's just they take it on for us. You know, that's interesting because like healers, like just spiritual healers, when you heal, a lot of times you take on that issue. So you have to be really careful as a healer to protect yourself and to cleanse and to let it go and somehow push that issue into the earth whatever you do. Um, and obviously the animal's doing it too. And Wendy had an interesting question because I totally relate. Um, it's trusting anyone else to take care of your animal. And I fully get that because I don't trust anybody to take care of any of my animals except for um, 
Bella, my little dog. I trust my mom. And but the birds, I don't know. We trust nobody. Um, I just met today, though, a vet tech at the avian vet who loves them and is always the tech for my birds. And she came out and she's like, oh, my God, I love your birds. So we're going to have her come over. And I think I might be able to trust her. Yeah. so I mean, cool. work into it, but I trust her yeah. enough that she works there. <laughs> I've had so, you know, I have so many animals. So like I need care, you know, like I wouldn't yeah. have a life if I didn't have care. And uh, so I've had some interesting experiences. Like I once came home to my male pet sitter wearing one of my sundresses and he was smoking a joint, like wearing one of my sundresses. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think you should. That's funny. This. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had one. This is like one of the worst. And this was like just like a year and a half ago. I had this woman who like, okay, so this is this is just to kind of share my setup for like what I do when I'm when I'm uh, looking for animal care. Number one, I put it out there. I'm looking for animal care, right? Then I get like next door or something. People will tell me like, oh, this person is great. I call that person. I talk to them. I feel them out on the phone, right? If I like them, I get their references. Then I call their references, make sure those check out, right? If those check out, they come over while I'm home. They meet me and the animals, okay? If that works out, they come over again, they meet me and the animals, they watch me do the routine. And then they, they, um, they go for a walk with me and the dogs. Then after that one, they come over again and they do the routine while I'm home. They feed the animals, they clean the litter box. They, uh, do the whole routine, but I'm home. If they pass that, which sometimes they don't pass that because they like, like, I don't know, like leave the litter box a mess or leave the bird cage open or God knows what. If they pass that, then I leave and I have them come over while I'm gone. This is just for a couple hours. I have them come over while I'm gone. They come into the house. They play with the animals. They hang out. They do the routine by themselves. If they pass that, they come over. They take the dogs for a walk. And it gradually gets up from there until I actually leave them overnight. So people who just are like, okay, I'll leave them overnight. Like that's, that to me is crazy. Cause you can mm-hmm. see so much in that time frame. I also have cameras in the house. In the beginning, I don't always tell them I've got cameras in the house. They're, they're out. You can see them like they're evident. Um, but one time this happened just a year and a half ago, I come home and, uh, and, and I say to Luca, you know how, oh, I call the woman before I come home and she says to me, she passed everything except for, you know, coming over to the house Why? I, why I just go out for a few hours. I said, how was the walk on the phone? The walk was great. We went around the block. It was awesome. I'm thinking this girl sounds really great. You know, like I really kind of liked her. I get home and I go to Luca. How'd it go? Mom, she had no heart. She had no heart. And I go, what do you mean, Lucas? She had no heart. Mom, she had no heart. So I'm like, what? So I go back and I look on the camera. Literally, the woman sat on the couch the whole two hours I was gone. She didn't walk them. <laughs> Easter jumped up on her lap. She put Easter down. Mm-hmm. The dogs were coming to say, like, pet me. She didn't pet them. She literally talked on the phone for two hours. 
man. I was so mad. I like, I paid her because I just didn't want to deal with it. I paid her, but I, I was like pissed. I blocked her from like every social media, like everything. I was like, you, I have like no access to my life whatsoever. She's like complete liar. So I think cameras are important. Yeah. I think they're really important. That's horrible. 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 I would be so mad. I'd want to strangle her. It, it's so Yeah, hard. now I've got such a great pet sitter. I never even check the cameras ever. I never look at them because he's so great. Like when you have a good one and you just feel like so positive, like I sometimes I don't even leave the camera on. Like I, it doesn't even matter to me. I know he's good. Yeah. So. Man, I, you know, spine, you have to, you have to cover your animals, but like your kids, you yeah. have, you need reinforcement to know that your trust, even though you might have the best instincts, you just never. Yeah, my instincts were off on that woman. I thought she was good, but you know what? What's what's uh, important also to note is like I didn't just say no. I can't leave them with someone because that's not right. true. Like there, there's someone good out there. Like there yeah. are so many good animal people out there that you can trust. You just have to find them. Yeah. I'm really excited about this girl. I'm hoping, I think yeah, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Is anyone else has. This is funny. Karen says another side to attachment. I had a boyfriend who could never go anywhere without his dog or his bike or his skis. Well, at least he's active. <laughs> he needed those things to be comforted. It was his identity. It affected everything. Yes, yeah, so you have to think like, can you be with someone like that? And like, do you want to be that person? You know, like, yeah. do you want to be that person? So going back to the outdoor animals because of your friend, you know, it's interesting because I feed, I have bird feeders all over my property and I feed the outdoor birds. And in the winter, I think it's really important to supplement their um, diets with some, you know, fatty seeds and things like that. But I always make sure I don't make sure I just let this happen, that the bird feeders will go empty. And I don't have an nervous breakdown about it. I mean, in the beginning, I thought I, I got to keep them full. But then I realized they need to know where their outdoor food mm -hmm. still is. And they need to train their babies to find food on their own. And so I don't have a heart attack if I look out and all the feeders are, you know, empty. And the birds are like, where's my food? It's like, they're not going to starve because they know we yeah, have to go on our own and we'll come back and get some food later to put and that food. into the routine. Exactly. That was the saddest thing about my, my friend Klein, who fed, she fed the foxes and she'd been feeding them for so many years that the, that even the babies, you know, right. like they went there every night for food. And so when she got injured, like, no one else was going to do it. So those animals definitely suffered. They they suffered. Uh -huh. And it wasn't because of her. Like, she didn't want to, them to suffer. I mean, it was because of her that she fed them. But she she wouldn't have missed a day if she didn't hurt herself. You know, she got hurt. Yeah. So it, it's important to let, to let wildlife fend for themselves. Yeah. When I first um, moved to um, this area where it snows, I looked out the window when it was with all snowy and there was a like a herd of deers i don't know if they're called a herd or not they're in the front yard and they're eating all of our bushes and i thought oh that is so cute so i started to put out food for them and my natural instinct was okay i'm gonna put out corn but then i did a little research and when there's 
they live in the snowy area and there's water is hard to find and things like that. Corn was the wrong thing because it, mm -hmm. it would stagnate their digestive system and actually be worse than not oh. eating at all. So I had to switch to wheat, which was fine, but that was the only season that I fed them because we thought about it. My husband's like, you know, they're coming here every night. They're not looking around for normal food. And what if something yeah. happens and we're not home? What if this, whatever. So I said, yeah, you're right. So I stopped with that. And we, there's cornfields all over the place. There's wheat fields all over. There's yeah. pine trees. They're fine. And you can have like, you can have a relationship with the wildlife that says like, if you really need me. So when I, when I was in my twenties, I lived on a big ranch. I caretook a big ranch and there was this lone coyote that got chased away from the pack and he was like all by himself. And, and he was like humming around our, our house, my cottage. And I had two cats and it, you know, we were like on 500 acres and I was really worried about my cats. So I said to him, listen, if you come here after dark, because my cats are in after dark, if you come here after dark and you howl, I will give you a chicken leg quarter. Because I, at that time, I fed my dogs chicken leg quarters. I don't know, but I did then. And, um, and I'm telling you, that coyote would come like every three weeks, a month, six weeks, only when he really needed it. And he would howl. So like he was... I, it was, it really taught me you can have that relationship with them and they really can get that. The same with the foxes here, like the foxes, if they're really desperate, they'll come. I think they even know how to set off the camera because they, they'll come and they'll like sit right at the camera, looking at the camera. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, it's like, I like my neighbor here feeds them. So I'm like, if they're away for like two weeks, they'll come and like sit at my door. Like, all right, <laughs> throw an egg. And, or the deer, like last winter when it was really hard, like they were like coming really close to the door. I'm like, okay, they're like asking, can you please help me? Like I'm starving, right? So like that's different helping them out than making them reliant on you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that winter when I was feeding the deer, I even put water out with a – this thing that goes in the tub of water that keeps the water heated. Yeah, that keeps it warm, right? Yeah, so like, good. Here's your water and here's your food. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, so I have a running warm. stream here, so I don't have to do that oh. here. But that's so good. Um, Wendy says, I think that unhealthy attachment happens when you make decisions and decide against doing something you love or you make decisions that stop you from living life because of your pets. So true. So true. Yeah. And I've, I've done that myself, but it's like, it wears on your spirit. It really does. Okay. So serendipity says that there's two birds that are attacking their windows. One um, in the husband's office and the other in the master bedroom. Um, one's a cardinal, one's the Robin, but her husband's gravely ill. So I'm not so sure the birds are attacking the windows. I think the birds have some sort of message I mean, I'm not there, but I'm getting that because yeah. it's not normal behavior. Out of context for those two birds and cardinals have, you know, a meaning and robins have a meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's where your husband is. 
I think yeah, maybe I would look up like the spiritual meaning of Robin, the spiritual meaning of Cardinal. I have clients who say like their dad comes in a Cardinal, their mom comes in a Robin. <laughs> like it could be uh-huh. like his loved ones or your loved ones coming around. I mean, also they could be seeing their reflection in the window. They could, but if no other birds are and there's and there's a family of cardinals, like yeah. have, I have like five like married set of cardinals. Like they have their their mates, and um, if one of them was doing it, it would have a meaning. If they were all doing it, I know I have an issue with my windows. Yeah, we put these yeah. things on our windows because we have these huge windows, and we have these little like stickers on them so the birds know. Listen, that is something. You do? Yeah. Oh, cool. They're not all over. Like, like four feet. There's another butterfly sticker and things like that. Yeah. I don't. I just. And that 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 shows them that they don't go in between the butterflies. Every once in a million, somebody will hit the window. Yeah. But with so many birds around my house, for only once in a million, it's working. But I don't want to put so much that it scares them away. You know. So I have just enough. Or that it interferes with your view. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So, but um, it, it kind of works. So I, yeah, I think there's a message going on with the Robin and the Cardinals. Yeah. Those things on your, on your windows, they're not working though. It looks like serendipity. Yeah. yeah. Definitely look up spiritual significance of those too. Yeah. For sure. So I know that Cardinals, a lot of people associate Cardinals as a past loved one coming. Um, but the loved ones, sometimes if you talk to them, they'll tell you what they're going to come as. And so maybe somebody's coming as the Cardinal. Like my dad, he's, he shows up as blue Jays. So when I have a lot of blue Jays out of the ordinary, it's my dad. And I love that. Yeah. Not every blue Jay. Like I have blue Jays, but I know when it's not normal. Yeah. So like Wendy's, Wendy's haven't, Wendy, Wendy in the chat, she's just talking a lot about like trusting people with her pets. Mm -hmm. She says that trust thing is so hard because it does stop me from, let's say, traveling because I can't have fun knowing I don't trust who my boys are left with. I think you just there's if when you have the belief system, you're not going to be able to find someone you trust. You're just going to manifest that in your life. You have to have the belief system. You are going to find someone that you trust. And then you just have to do like put in the work to find that person. Um, and you don't have to go through. You may or may not have to go through some bad ones, you know, but you'll notice like if you do what I was explaining earlier, you'll notice way before they're left alone with your animal, whether you can trust them or not. Yeah. And um, then with us, we have, you know, who can we trust? But also, we love them so much. So it's a fine line. It's like, we think, do we really want to go away for a week? And we're going to be missing the, the animals because they're our kids. It's like, so maybe that's that's an issue, but we don't look at it as an issue. I, I don't know if that's an issue if you don't really want to go. But if like, if you do want to go, right? Like if right. there's a part of you that says, I want to go and do this and let, like, for instance, like there were times where I would be like, I want to go surf, but then I didn't have time to walk the dogs at the beach and go surf and like the loading up of the dogs and having them in the car and like that whole thing. And sometimes it would just make me not go surf, but like I need a life that doesn't revolve around the animals. So sometimes that those days the dogs got to walk around the block. And then I went and I surfed like, 
And then afterwards, like, I'm so glad that I went. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do those things and push yourself out of your comfort zone, I don't think you're going to grow as much, but in your situation, you're a grown adult who's saying like, I don't know if I want to travel. You're making a, yeah. Well, you know, you're to, ma we used to take the African greys there because they're quiet birds. The other issue is how those birds will react at the other, at a hotel. And so like the African greys, they went to the hotels with us all the time and they just didn't say a peep. Nobody even cared that they were there. Macaws, they call out at least twice a day to each other. And, and maybe some macaws scream for no reason. And so we don't want to do that to the people in the hotel. And so that it's a fine line between, okay. Between but, taking them or not. Yeah, taking them and doing that to the other people. Because we know they're twice a day for at least they're going to scream for five minutes at each other. And um, it's kind of funny. Or then we're thinking, well, maybe you will buy a big tra trailer and we'll just keep them in there. And, or then maybe we'll get the backpacks for them and we'll just carry them around and we go outside and not leave them in the hotel. So there's a lot of things to think about to try to overcome the issues that keep us from taking them places if we want to go, which right now we have no desire to go anywhere. Yeah. So it's, it's not really a sick attachment. It's more of, I think, a responsible owner of the pet and what it'll do to other people as far as taking them but going to visit friends and coming home after an hour that's a whole different deal yeah um this woman says tesser test tesser act she says or he my cat always upset with me whenever i had to go away for a day or two mm. so yeah i don't know if you guys have heard the story of my cat juliet this was very early on in my career i was in my in college actually and i was uh i would go backpacking a lot with my boyfriend and i had a cat named juliet at the time and she uh i would leave her for like a few nights while we would go backpacking but my sister would come and feed her she's a really independent cat she could go in and out and um and what would happen every single time we would come home from the trip and she would be sitting sitting at the doorstep and then she would like take off and she'd be like, fine, I'm going to leave for a few days. And she would like take off for a few days. And it was so upsetting because I didn't know where she was. It was coyote territory. Like, and so I started to tell her, I, I read in Penelope Smith's book, um, how to picture the sun rising and setting for as many days as you'll be gone. So you picture the sun rising and setting. Sometimes you can do it as sleeps and then picture yourself happily coming home. And I did that to her. And when I came back, she was sitting at the next trip. She came, she was sitting on the front doorstep. She came into the house with, with us. She slept on the bed with us. And that night she was like kneading and she, she didn't take off. And so knowledge is power with these animals. If we can tell them how long we're going for and what we're doing, like, oh, like mommy or daddy is doing this. We're going to go have fun. Like I always say, I'm going to go have fun. And like, you're going to stay here. You're going to meet a new friend. You're going to get to learn about a new friend who's ever the pet sitter is, you know, and just feel okay. They're, they're going to be fine. So it really is about telling them what what you're doing and that you're gonna have a good time if you're like oh my god i'm so sorry they're gonna think like the world is ending and it's so horrible that you're leaving and it's not yeah 
it's all your belief system. You really have to check your belief system. Am I putting a negative spin on this situation or is there a way that I can put a positive spin on this situation? Uh, uh, how do I raise myself of my over-concern if my dog is okay, like health-wise? That's a tough one, too. Um, I think it's really important to to trust that you will know for a fact if something's wrong with your animal, like the universe will somehow show you. And then I would like look at your life just in general. Like, do you do that in other situations? Like, are you paranoid about other areas of your life? And if you are, that's where you need to start looking at. And where can you start saying, okay, why am I being so hypersensitive? I mean, the reason why we're so hypersensitive is because we're in flight or flight. We've had trauma in our lives and we're hypervigilant then, right? So then you have to self-regulate yourself up into peace and calm and create a better future for yourself. And so you, that has to be a very conscious act, like moment by moment, day by day of like, where is my energy in my body? Where is my energy? Is it, is it in my heart? And am I creating my future? Am I creating the feelings and living the feelings that I want to feel? If you're doing that in other areas of life, you're going to be doing it to your animals too. And, and if your animal is getting the brunt of it, that's, you're just taking all your anxiety and putting it into your pet. But going back to like having good animal professionals in your life, if you can have a really good friend who you feel like is intuitive, or you can have an animal communicator like me, or if you can have a, um, a good vet friend or a good vet, then you won't be so hypervigilant because you'll have someone else's eyes on it, like a vet tech or something. And just like, hey, can you come over and check out my animal and tell me what you think? You know, what do you feel like? Do you feel like they're in pain? And you know, oh, go ahead. Well, I just think that you kind of have to step away and like look at your life in a greater and in a greater picture, and then also trust that you'll receive that information somewhere else. Because being hyper vigilant on your pet, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you limping? Are you doing this? It's just going to throw all that energy into that illness or that behavior, and you're literally going to create it in your animal. Like. Is your ear okay? Is your ear okay? You're going to create an ear infection. Um, what I did, because part of an issue of trusting, it, you, you don't want your animals to wonder, where are my parents? And so to take it to the extreme, what if their parents never come home? So to ease my fear that my animals will be like, where are my parents? We wrote out a very detailed care record and information about each bird and the dog and the cat and the vet has it. And it says this animal eats this and this is what they do. And this brand, and this is their name and this is their birthday, blah, blah, blah. Each animal has a thing and it has, if something happens, um, this person is going to be able to pick up this animal from you. And this person will bring them. It's an entire plan that takes care of the animals. And in our wallets are this little card that says, my animals are home alone. So if something happens, then they call the other person, like my husband. And if he gets it, okay, fine. And if he doesn't answer the phone, then they call, say, the vet. And the vet knows how to get in the house. And then they come and they pick up all your animals. 
And then you know that they're all taken care of. And we know that they have, they're not going to be stuck eating some food they don't know, they don't like because no one said what kind of food this bird eats, whatever. So you can plan. You need yeah, to plan yeah. for your animals. Like I have like, like a book. Sarah's exactly. it's like a book for them. Yeah. yeah. Like a, their whole really. schedule, what they eat, everything. Like yeah. who to call. Who they can go live with and who they can't and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. It's basically um, a custody instruction manual for the animals like you would have for a child. Yeah. Yeah, and also that that card in your wallet. I also have it on my phone, like mm -hmm. on the emergency contacts. You know, you okay. don't have to open it; you just hit it, so that anyone can no. see. It says, "It says uh, pet sitter. I got animals at home. Call them." And so, if, I, if anything ever happens to me, they see my emergency contact numbers, but they also see who to call to take care of the animals. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're pretty much coming up at time. I know we're kind of like all over the place today, which we kind of do. We kind of go all over the place. I hope we answered some of your thoughts on this, some of your questions. We love having ideas of things on what to talk about. A lot of you have posted on uh, our Facebook and Instagram posts, but please keep doing that so that we will know um, what, we, what we should talk about uh, each week. And also, we do want to bring the animals in and talk to the animals, too. So we're thinking about, well, talking to our animals, but then also maybe reaching out to some of yours as well. Um, what do you think, Cam? What, what are you thinking? Um, I was thinking that I responded to somebody's text, and I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I was saying, um, well, just about about uh, giving us ideas on oh, Instagram yeah, and Facebook it. about what we can what we yeah. can talk about, and then also that we're going to start bringing in talking to the animals too. Yeah, totally cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. So, uh, serendipity said, "How often we come on? We're trying to make this a weekly uh, Thursdays at." 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Central. Mountain or Central. 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 Yeah. So we're going to do it every week. Yeah. So we definitely like your questions. So send them in. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. And we'll yeah. see you next time. Okay. Sorry, you guys, I'm like, hi. Time, I count my blessings, I count you first. Every time, I count my blessings, I